Mountain Twain. Last week I turned 18. I wasn't ready for it. I haven't done anything yet. So I made this deal with myself. This is the year I make my mark. All right, fellas. It should be clear to all of us that we've got the makings of a championship squad this year. Yeah! As most of you know, once a week we have wrestle-offs for varsity position. Now, for you new fellows who just joined us, let me tell you, it's the fairest thing in the world. Any man who can beat the number one man at his weight class gets to wrestle varsity at that position. Now, anyone who wants to challenge the number one man in his weight class, raise your hand. Loudon, you're already number one at 190. <laughs> I know. I just want to wrestle off for 178. What's this shit, man? You dropped to 178? Yeah. He's paying your own goddamn division. I ain't giving him my spot. How did you drop the weight? Just working out. Okay. Billy, I want you to run the skills drill for me. Loud, I want a word with you. Okay, guys, go and get Ted gear and get paired up. What's going on? I just want to drop a weight. Why make life difficult on yourself? Well, I'm going to drop two weights, coach. I'm serious, I want to wrestle 168. Two, man, double leg. Look, it was easy to drop 12 pounds. All you had to do was wring the water out of your system. I'm going to wrestle shoot this year, coach. Shoot? Nobody wants to wrestle shoot. Not when you're out of your mind. <laughs> tell you the truth, I kind of worry about that. All right, I'm going to let you wrestle off against Cooch at 178. But if he kicks your butt, I want you to put those pounds right back on. He's Bobby Hensley. I'm Sean Styers. We're two guys talking sports movies. And this week... We've got one, I guess you might consider this off the beaten path, Vision Quest. Maybe a hidden gem or something. I, I, I like the way you're going with this already, Bobby. The <laughs> okay. fact that you're calling it a hidden gem gives me hope for what's about to come because I had no idea what was <laughs> to come. Vision Quest, One Man's Quest for Excellence, starring Matthew Modine, Linda Fiorentino, uh, Ronnie Cox, veteran character actor and a host of others but the setup is vision quest a coming of age movie a high school wrestler loudon swain played by matthew modine decides he wants to be something more than an average high school athlete sets his sights on a big prize we heard there in the open he's wants to cut a couple of weight classes so that he can wrestle this defending state champ a really tough guy challenge himself and along the way he meets this girl slash woman who's a little bit older <laughs> who ends up living in his house for a little while, and it, it's essentially a coming-of-age movie. So let's... It's a very classic 80s movie. It is. There's a, and there's a lot of classic 80s music in this as well. <laughs> sure. Let, give, give me your... What was your familiarity with Vision Quest prior to me mentioning, hey, let's do Vision Quest, just and you went, huh? Just assumed it was about aliens. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a single thought. I've never even heard of the movie. And I'm surprised, not surprised, but, I mean, it's a movie. The sport is wrestling, and it's high school wrestling. It's not professional sure. wrestling, obviously. So I think, one, it's tough to make a movie about wrestling. Two, it's even tougher to probably get broad appeal with <laughs> the sport of wrestling. But, I, I, again, I like what you're going with there, Hidden Gem, because, I mean, I think this story, it, it becomes more about Loudon Swain and his transition into adulthood and again the the coming of age aspect and it's interesting that this was a book that was turned into 
a movie, and it was based roughly on, I guess, the experiences of the author of this book that he had in the, the town where it's set, Spokane, Washington. But some of the reviews of the book Vision Quest I've seen called second only to Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger in terms of coming-of-age novels. Really? Yeah. That's kind of surprising because the movie only got 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because there's a there's an audience score and there's a critic score. You're right. The 57% is from movie critics, but a 78% audience score with meant like I think it was like 6,000 in some audience people who have so from number. so from people who actually watched it, but it, it kind of goes to what you said, you might know, you might not know about it what the heck vision quest is but it's like once you sit down and watch it's actually a pretty good movie and i think the it's not deep in wrestling and as someone who wrestled myself i wrestled for eight years from the time i was in fifth grade all the way through high school so i experienced a lot of stuff that loudon swain is going through the weight cuts yeah and and i'm i'm not going to nitpick a lot of you know because we do things that bug us and all that i'm not going to nitpick everything because I'm going to be quite honest. People don't care about wrestling minutia, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about some of it, but I'm not right. going to nitpick all that stuff as we go along. No, and I, I know I never wrestled, but I know about the sport. And even that, some of that stuff was like true to form, I thought. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was, there was a lot of it there. Um, but I, I, I did find a lot of numbers. I, I, went, I wanted to compare this because of what you just talked about. And we don't get into the – the Rotten Tomatoes and everything a lot. We've right. mentioned it from time to time. Roger Ebert actually gave this three and a half out of four stars, though. That's pretty solid. Enough. Yeah, I mean, uh, he really liked what Matthew Modine brought to the character. And you were telling me right before we started, you really didn't have a whole, you don't have a whole lot of familiarity with who Matthew Modine even is. No, I looked up some of the stuff, and I've, I've never seen Stranger Things, and he's in that, I guess. Yeah. He's and- 47 meters down. I guess. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I, I haven't seen any of these movies. <laughs> we'll get to Matthew Modine in a minute. But just by comparison, the mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes stuff. Replacements, 41% critics, 66% audience score. Which I'm shocked that one's that high. Are you? Yeah. Kingpin got a 50% and a 69%. So both of those numbers below Vision Quest. Mm-hmm. For Love of the Game, 45% and 75%. Huh. Fairly comparable, a little bit lower on the critics. I'm surprised that the critics side was as that low. low. As it was. Yeah. yeah, Major League Two got a five percent. This is Major League Two. The, it's kind of a kids movie. Five percent media or uh, movie critics. Forty five percent audience. White men can't jump. Seventy six percent critics. Sixty eight percent audience. So even from the audience point of view, White Men Can't Jump is lower than Vision Quest. And that's kind of shocking to me because a lot of times, most of the time, isn't the critic score pretty much lower than the... Yeah. Because if you're going out of your way to watch a movie, you must have some interest. Because to go give a rating on Rotten Tomatoes, something must appeal to you to want to do that anyway. Yeah. And I mean, again, as a high school wrestler, and not just a high school wrestler, this came out in 1985, which was the end of... And I think it might... It was sometime in 85. It was... my my senior year was eighty five eighty six, and I I remember we had I think it was around Christmas time, like after our final final match, right before Christmas, our coach had a little thing at his house, 
we ate some pizza and stuff, you know, because again, it's like the final match before Christmas, so we've got a couple. Now you have a couple weeks to break. Yeah, actually, yeah. But we watched Vision Quest at the coach's house, and it was still relatively new. And of course, then we watched it on VHS, not DVD. So at that point, when the movie came out, was it a big deal? It was not. Okay, so because, even back then, it was kind again, of. What's interesting about this is, and again, I think they did it intentionally, probably in the marketing, but they play up. The coming of age type mm-hmm. stuff and the relationship. Like if you saw the, if you see the trailer for this, I don't know if you've found it or not. But all they're doing essentially is building up the relationship stuff, and they're, they're so wrestling's in the background. Yeah, they're they're not promoting the wrestling at all because they want people to actually go see it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But again, as as someone who wrestled, this it's, is a this it, was a really cool movie to us because especially back then, it's like. I think the world, according to Garp, Robin Williams was a high school wrestler, but they really didn't play up the wrestling very much in Garp, you know? So it's like, there aren't many movies about wrestling. And again, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen it, it's not necessarily, it's, it's about, it's about his goal to, to make, it's not like knee deep in wrestling. It's, it's about him challenging himself to try to, as you heard there in the open, cut the weight, go wrestle this guy, shoot, who's a state champ. To cut weight for two weight classes, too. And what's interesting is in the book, I don't know if you did much, and I, I did a lot of the, the book-to-movie comparisons. In the book, like in, in the movie, Loudon is going from 190 down to 168, which, which is a lot of weight. Especially at, in high school. But at the same time, now, see, and that's the interesting thing. Well, I'll get, I'll get the, in, in the book, he was going from 190 to 147. So that, oh, that's, wow. like, completely unrealistic to right. me. I don't know if somebody actually did that, but that's, like, my goodness. But now there are a lot more restrictions in terms of high school. On They, they measure your body fat. They've got these hydration tests. There's, they're a lot more strict about how much weight you can lose and things like that. I was just actually here in our area. They had uh, conference championships, the NIC, Northern Indiana Conference Championships, Yesterday, and there's this kid from Mishawaka who I looked at. 160 pounds is what he wrestled, and I've stood next to this kid. He's barely as tall as me. I wrestled 138 in high school, and like looking at him because he's he's probably a little bit stockier. Like my natural weight was between 150 and 155. I wrestled 132 and 138. You, so you know? had so to cut to get down there. Sit, you know, 18 to 20 some pounds or whatever. You know. This guy, who's basically my size, is wrestling at 160. So I don't know if that <laughs> is necessarily because of the weight restrictions and things they have these days. But yeah, well, even um, like for the UFC, when they weigh in, they actually weigh in a day and a half early. Yeah, and then they can go do whatever they want. And because... sometimes, sometimes they did that um, in high school. Like we could weigh in. Sometimes it was the day before. Sometimes we could even weigh in at our own school before going. Which I always thought was weird. It's like you're your home trust, scale. You're going to trust, yeah, your home scale and the coaches and everything else. But just as far as this movie, yeah. um, I, I think underrated sports movie is a good way to put it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Because <laughs> one of my biggest complaints in some of the movies we've done is there's not enough sports. There's yeah. clearly a lot of sports in this. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good story around the wrestling. It would be easy, like I said, to nitpick some of the stuff, but I'm not going to get knee deep. In the, uh, in the weeds on that. But I think the most important thing, it's a coming-of-age movie. They mix some comedy in, and that's one thing like Roger Ebert, for example. He liked what Matthew Modine brought to the character of Loudon Swain. Coming-of-age about a kid trying to reach a goal, make his mark, becomes a love story. 
and uh, coming of age outside of sports with the relationships. And again, this this goes back to the relationship thing. Like if you don't have the relationship between Loudon and Fiorentino, the Carla character, this movie never gets made right off the bat. Right, yeah. Nobody wants to see a high school wrestling yeah. movie without that. But I also think that you could mix in virtually any sport that you wanted and you know, with, with some sort of goal attached to it. But at the same time, I think wrestling is good just because there's a specific goal that he's trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, like, because you could do football. He's trying to be the top quarterback or, you know, yeah. make the basketball team or something like that. But I like the way they did this and use wrestling as a catalyst for... So, when we finished Kingpin, our last podcast... <laughs> I did a little tease. I didn't say what the what the movie we were going to watch. I told you right after we finished the podcast. But what I said was, you're gonna you're gonna have a feel one way or another in the first scene. Now, turned out I was wrong because it had been a little bit uh, since I had seen it. It's and, actually the second scene, and I'm not mad about it. Okay, but because the first scene was what we started with, and that's that was that that's also sets the whole tone for the movie I, I I like the way they did it yeah and I and I think because it's wrestling they had to do it and, and we mm-hmm. we played it at the top of the podcast it starts with a quick narration from the main character Loudon Swain about what he's trying to do introducing himself almost yeah, yeah. yeah. and then they they set it all up for people who know nothing about wrestling the coach explains what wrestle offs are you challenge the guy at your weight and that's all completely accurate and that's one of the great things about wrestling though too is like there's no you don't get into the politics and drama. You of beat them or you don't. That's right. You either win or you lose. You either get to or you don't. And, you know, I should also say that that's also part of why guys have to lose more weight. Like, I would have preferred to be at 145. If somebody was already but the there. The guy at 145 ended up being a two time state champ and, and would finished whip you. third yeah. the other year. Yeah. Well, he didn't whip me. We were pretty, we were pretty close in wrestle offs my <laughs> sophomore year, and then I went down after that. Yeah. So. I lost. I didn't beat him, but he didn't. You know, let's let's. You didn't not get, get pinned. I did. No, I did not get pinned. So there you go. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Look at you reliving your glory days. But <laughs> let's get to the most important thing as far as Bobby Hensley. Oh, is concerned, damn right? <laughs> because Sean, I love some journey. As, as soon as that, as <laughs> soon as that, uh, the narration and the meeting with the coach. We get into the second scene where Loudon Swain is running, and we see the credits, and we get this. Oh, we get journey. Why are you fading it out? Just leave that under the whole podcast. Just leave that play the whole time on loop. Only the young. One of their better songs. I was going to ask you what you thought of this song because, again, this is not like I think for a Journey file or whatever. Is there a specific <laughs> name for Journey fans? Yeah, Bobby Hensley. I think I'm the <laughs> only one <Hensley>. left. <laughs> this is uh, this is not one of their big hits. No, right? it's a again an under under. But if you're a Journey fan, gem. you really appreciate. Yeah, this. I think one of the concerts I went to, this was what they opened with. Really? Yeah, and I. I what I like about the soundtrack, not only this, but a lot of the stuff that they use in the soundtrack, is it's real. It is focused on just the theme of the movie. And there's a, there's a lot of relevant stuff in there with with the choices that they made in the soundtrack. Yeah, you told me going in to pay attention to the music after I already knew it was Journey, and you said we'll talk about the music and stuff. And I was like, wow, several of those scenes, the song playing and the parts of the song they played, right, tied in perfectly to that scene. Yep, and I don't. I don't know if I've ever paid attention so much to the music, but that was very 
pretty cool. Well, and the, the title of this song, Only the Young, and again, this is a coming-of-age movie, and it, it, it's a it, the whole thing. So did it... Did you get hooked when you saw when you when he's running down and you know kind of doing his own rocky thing wearing his rubber weight loss suit and his and all space that, suit yeah. and journeys playing? What what are you thinking when you when you're seeing that? I was like, oh, Sean, Sean did me a favor. I thought there was gonna be something stupid in the scene and I was gonna hate it. So when it came journey, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I thought uh, that's why I knew that at the very <laughs> least, even if you didn't like this movie, did it, do you think that it sort of Put you oh, in definitely. the right mental state for the rest of the movie? Two things did. One, I looked up the runtime of the movie. It's only an hour and a half. And then True. two, like right away, I'm like sitting down, getting my, my notes ready, and then Journey starts playing. And I was like, wow, this is going to be a great movie. Did you know that, because I know you do a lot of your research before you watch, did you know that Journey was going to be used in there somewhere? No, I didn't actually look up the soundtrack until after I watched it. So I didn't oh, okay. know. And purposely, I wanted to watch that scene without much... Without, without blinders really on. Knowing, so, yeah. Because I was giving you a heads up that something was coming. Yeah. I did text you to say, by the way, it's not the opening scene, it's right. the second scene. Yeah. But so you're sitting I there, would have figured it out right away. Were you yeah. sitting there going, What's this? What's it gonna be? What's gonna did you think it was gonna have something to do with, with the music or what what were you thinking? <laughs> did you have any idea? I thought there was gonna be a cameo from an actor or an actress or something. Gonna jump out at you. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like The Rock was in the movie as a kid or something. Yeah. Well, so then you've also got uh, Tom Waits, who was, you know, I mean, a typical 80s guy, and uh, Tom Waits, and again, like you talked about the, the the fact that there's a lot of relevant stuff in there. People talking, and they're saying that you're leaving. And I think this was, wasn't it, when he was climbing, climbing the, the wall? Okay, yeah. yeah. Tom Waits. He had some hits in the 80s. Yeah, I looked him up. Some of his songs are familiar. He's not yeah. like one that jumps off the page. Is... But, I mean, the big one, and they, they used it just a little bit. And the, the, the interesting thing, Journey, the Journey song, Only the Young, uh, the Madonna song, which I don't have the clip of, but, I mean, that was... They played they, that several times they in the movie. They build it, yeah, crazy for you. That, and it was only on the soundtrack, I guess. It wasn't on an album and the soundtrack. And this... She makes her movie debut in this, what they called her movie debut, and they tried to sort of uh, bill it as that. I think they fooled some people by that, but she's because she was huge already. In a, yeah, that's right. She was already pretty big. So it's kind of surprising to see her in this movie because they actually show her playing. It's not just her songs playing; she's, she's performing it bar, at the bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's kind of surprising because I, didn't, you know, Madonna in 1985, she was already made. She already had a bunch of hits out there, and she did desperately seeking Susan. That same year, which was really her her real um, movie debut, and, yeah. I, and I guess they filmed this like two years before it came out. So it so eighty three. I know there was a delay yeah. in production or something, but des- des- desperately seeking Susan came out the same year as Vision Quest, Shanghai Surprise. She did a few movies, Dick Tracy, a few years League of their later. Own. Yeah, but she, I mean, she didn't really act in this, but she's a major part of the soundtrack. And then the other big song from the soundtrack is Lunatic Fringe. And, and again, I don't know how familiar you were with Lunatic Fringe. I wasn't, but this what a great song for the scene where he's getting ready to fight for the big match. He's oh, yeah, all by himself in the gym. And, and they hit this a few different times. And we'll get to scenes and all that stuff in a little bit. But one of my favorites where they use this is when he goes to see Shoot and he's got his little voice recorder. Recorder. Shoot pins the guy in like less than 10 seconds, and then they cut right to 
Loudon training, jumping rope by himself, and they play this a little. It's, I thought it was just really effective use of the music. soundtrack and, and music overall, because like you referenced earlier, there's a lot. Now, this one, like lyrically, there's nothing really relevant to this, but just the tone that dun-dun, right. dun-dun, it's gr- Gets it's, your attention. It's got that great buildup for like a fight or whatever it happens to be. And I, I've heard the song. I just didn't know what it was called or by who or whatever. Tom Cochran, who did Life is a Highway <laughs> on his own yeah. in the 90s, is the guy... Red Rider is the band. That's his band. Yeah, and that was his band in the '80s, and it became Tom Cochran. Life is a highway. I'm not going to sing too much, but no, that was that was terrible. But that was the only big, thing worse than that hit. was Rascal Flatts trying to cover yeah, it. It was a big hit. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> very true. Let's talk about the cast. Well, a little uh, bit though. One more song. Unless, okay, that was in there was by uh, Foreigner, who I call Watered Down Journey. Yeah, they had Hot Blooded in there when he's getting ready to in the. It's like one of the early scenes in the cafeteria where everything's getting tense, and the secret comes out that he's trying to. Cut weight and go after shoot. Right. And the, also Sammy Hagar in there. Right. Uh, and Madonna actually had two songs. She also had Gambler on this. She sung both of them in, uh, in there. But I'll Fall in Love Again. Again, uh, relevant to, to the theme of what's going on because the, the Rocky, what's going on with Carla and everything and, and Sammy Hagar. And this was also about a year or so before he joins Van Halen. It's just kind of crazy to me to see all these like big name musical acts that were mixed up in the so- in this movie that was kind of unknown. Yep, I didn't look up their budget or anything, but they had to spend more money on music than they did anything else. Don Henley, which is on the Zoom, right? Shout to the top by the Style Council. It, Style Council again, you know, not not like it's a transcendent '80s band, but they were they had their moment in the '80s anyway. And Dio, Hungry for Heaven. Yep, yeah. Yeah, really good soundtrack. Good stuff. But though, I think these are the three ma- main sure. ones, along with Crazy for You, which they they do because it's Madonna and everything. But this uh, is our second movie. It's um second movie that had Journey in it that we've done. That's right, because we had Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. I was just listening to the radio the other day, and a Journey song came on, and the guy after it talked about, he's like, you know what I think of this song? I just think of Caddyshack, <laughs> and it made me laugh. Cause, ah, this song, so good. This has been in my head. For over a week now, because we we watched this and we had a date. I was a little under the weather. We delayed the uh, recording. This song has been in my head ever since watching the movie, though. It hasn't left. The only other movie that we've done this song got stuck in my head was Caddyshack for the I'm All Right. I'm All Right. And that was that's another one of my... Uh, that, what a great song to have stuck in your head, though, that journey. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Matthew Modine in the starring role as Loudon Swain. What's interesting, because you have really no familiarity with... Matthew Modine. Mm-mm, I Again, guess this shows your age, but you weren't even born when this movie came out, right? Right, and so, and I didn't even look this up. I did very poor research. How old was he <laughs> when they filmed the movie? He's, he was like twenty four, and so, that's that's like if if we're going to be sticklers no, about I, this. But he looked young. I thought. Like I thought. I, yeah. I thought it was believable. And I think Linda Fiorentino was was like within a year of his age. She was supposed to be a couple years older. This was also her film debut, but like I consider it's it's weird because Matthew Modine is you, like you said you really have no familiarity with him right. the guy has been acting since the 80s 30 plus years he's been acting steadily and you mentioned stranger things he's in that i haven't watched it but that's kind of the the most notable thing that he's done recently but i think that mid to late 80s period kind of starting with this he does vision quest in 85 full metal jacket 2 years later 
as a private joker. He's the, he's the lead in that. And then Memphis Bell in 1990, he's a World War II bomber pilot along with John Lithgow and Sean Astin. Who played Rudy. As well, yeah, a few years before he makes Rudy. And then he does the thriller Pacific Heights with Melanie Griffith and Michael Keaton also in 1990. And really, when you look at his IMDb, there's not a lot of big hits ever since then. But I There's not a lot of him, gaps either. I've always considered him sort of a bigger name, I guess, than what he is now. Just because like that period right there, I thought he was great in all of those roles. But it just never translated into a big career, I guess, even though, again, he has acted steadily well over 100 credits, I think it is, since then. It's like he was in the show Weeds, and I've watched that, but I couldn't place which person he was. was. And then same thing for Any Given Sunday. He was in that, which is a sports movie. Yeah. But I couldn't place who he was. Yeah, see, and I don't even remember him being in Any Given Sunday. But again, that's one that I haven't really seen. Well, and that movie has 100 characters in it. So, What would you think of Linda Fiorentino as tough Carla from New Jersey? I thought initially she, I I thought it was pretty believable. And as the movie went on, I don't know, I I kind of forgot about the Jersey side. Yeah, probably best known for her roles in uh, the original Men in Black, Last Seduction, Dogma. Dogma. But, but this was actually her very first movie credit. Yeah, I, I knew she. I guess the way that he looks young for his age, and I thought she looked more mature for hers. So, like, the gap was supposed to be three years, I think, yeah. 18 to 21, but it looked bigger to me, even though in real life it's only one year. Right. But I thought she played the tough Jersey girl pretty good off the top, but then she kind of got away from it. Yeah. Ronnie Cox is the dad, and Ronnie Cox is, he has 144 credits as of right now. Lieutenant Bogomil from Beverly Hills Cop, <laughs> for those who've seen that. Uh, Cohagen in Total Recall. He played a bad guy in Total Recall with the, origi- the original in Ar- with the Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the dad in this. Daphne Zuniga, who had, this is kind of her moment in time. Do you have much familiarity with her or at least recognize the name? The name was very familiar. She's the one that played the, like, high school. The friend. Yeah. But it's always. She's the, she's the female friend. Uh, not girlfriend, but the female friend. But she Lowe's. wanted to be his girlfriend. Right. Exactly. And. She goes on, probably the biggest thing that, that Daphne Zuniga did was Melrose Place. She looked familiar when I saw her. Yeah. And then Michael Scheffling, as Loudon's friend Cooch, who has a lot of the comedic stuff oh, he's great. in this. Uh, a year earlier, he was the hunky Jake in 16 Candles, along with Molly Ringwald. Have you seen 16 Candles? It's been a long time, but yeah. that's yeah. Uh, that, Molly Ringwald and those series are very 80s. His acting career ended in 1991. He had just eight more roles. After this, after the 16 Candles was pretty big. Not that Vision Quest was big, but he had more prominent. I, I mean, I thought he was a good actor, and I just wonder, maybe did, did he look too much like Matt Dillon or something? Because he seemed like someone who could have had a longer career unless he just decided he wanted out. Well, I don't know. In this movie, I thought he looked quintessential 80s. So maybe once That's the 80s were too. over, that like he didn't could keep that going. And then the completely underplayed role of the movie, Forrest Whitaker. As I don't even remember them saying his name, but on the credits, Balldozer. Right. <laughs> He's one of the guys on the high school wrestling team. I don't. Did he have any lines even, Forrest Whitaker? I don't remember. He's gone on to be essentially the most prominent person in this movie. He oh, sure. Yeah. Won an Academy Award in 2006 for The Last King of Scotland, and he's He's in the Butler. Yeah. yeah. This was his seventh acting credit. He did Fast Times at Ridgemont High as Charles Jefferson in 1982. And it's almost shocking to call it an acting credit when he just kind of in the background. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, if, if he didn't go on to be what he was, would they even, like, 
bill him in this movie as high as they do? Good question. He'd just be one of the extras. Good question. And then I'll let you hit this one. James Gammon is. Do you have this on your? Is that the grandpa? That is the abusive dad. Oh, okay. Who's smacking around? I don't know who uh, that is. Cooch. He was the manager in Major League just a couple years later. So that's why he looked familiar. His the guy voice, with the gravelly voice. Right. Yeah, that in the mustache, and yeah, he's okay. So that's why not the best uh, character, but Loudon shows up at Cooch's house before a match, and the dad is smacking him around. And then stuff, they leave, and, and they leave, and you never see him again. Right. So. That, that, the only reason I, I realized it was him is just because of the sound of his voice. It's very distinct. Well, um, the the grandpa in this movie that he goes and visits out in the cabin. Yeah. And then he comes to his match at the end. That's the guy from Home Alone that plays the South Bend Shovel Slayer. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Which was only a couple years later, I That's guess. That's right. That's right. Now that you say that, because he did kind of have a look like I've seen this guy before. That's what I thought. So I had to look him up, and then I was like, wow, you were in Home Alone. You, and the South Bend Shovel Slayer is famous because yeah. we're from South Bend. So just a real quick hit. We ta- we've talked about the relationships a little bit. I, I think we- we've talked about how especially sort of the romantic relationships in a sports movie connect things and and give them broader appeal and all that kind of stuff. In this one, I think it's completely necessary. You absolutely have to have it. If you take out Carla, it's just a movie about a kid trying to cut weight. Yeah, (laughs) right, and nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to live that. that. Nobody wants to see that. Yeah, but, I mean, you also have some other relationships mixed in, the friendships, the coach, the dad, and and the Elmo, the guy at the the, – the restaurant. Yeah, that was cool. But at the Carla relationship, I think, connects everything together. And, like, when we did Kingpin, we talked about how that meandered when they were going back to to uh, Roy's hometown and trying to create that relationship. But in this, the trip to Grandpa's house, Grandpa, you were just talking about, you absolutely have to have that trip because that's really where they 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 connect during that trip. You didn't like that. No, no. I guess you have to have a story arc and everything. Yeah. But he, like, made moves on her, and she turned him down. And then, like, two scenes later, she kisses him. Yeah, he, he made very less than subtle moves. Well, I'm <laughs> trying, trying to be respectful here. Yeah. So, but then, like, two scenes later, after she slaps him and gets away, then they're all of a sudden all into each other. Yeah. Ah. It didn't meander, but it just – but I'm not going to complain too much because I like that it was kind of streamlined. The movie didn't take forever to get where it was going. That's true. I remember – was it really just an hour and a half? I thought it was a bit longer than that. Maybe just over an hour and a half. Okay. But it was definitely under two. All right. Oh, yeah. I know it was under two. I think it was like a 140, yeah. 145. So do you want to go with what bugs us first or do you, you want to do scenes and lines and everything? We can do scenes and lines. Let's okay. stay positive. So let's start with lines. All right. What's your favorite line? My favorite overall? Yes. There's a lot of them. I don't know. Uh, I kind of like that. <laughs> it was a stupid line, but it sticks out to me when the dad got into a fight at his job. Then they go get food, and he's right. like, well, beating a man down makes you hungry. <laughs> right. It made me kind of laugh. Uh, Elmo, the cook, <laughs> and, and that's kind of an essential relationship in this as well because Loudon is – he delivers room service – at a hotel, and he's got a relationship with with the uh, the cook Elmo. And Elmo and Loudon are talking about losing weight to wrestle. Shoot, and Elmo says this uh, might be the kind of move a reasonable reasonable man would want to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even there's a lot of stuff with them. But um, how about when I like when Gooch picks him up after whatever? I don't even know how he knew he was there. 
He's like, oh, you deliver room service. You ain't chicks that way? He's <laughs> like, no, but a guy just tried to grab on me. Yeah, a little disturbing. He goes up, and the guy, there's a there's like a shoe salesman, and he's doing Tai Chi, and he puts the moves on loud. See, I thought at some point the Tai Chi would come up in the wrestling, and but nope, ah. it was completely a throwaway scene. Yep, it was. Loudon, I'm on a 600-calorie-a-day diet. I'm so wired when I hit the bed, I can't fall asleep at all. That's something, again, that, like, as a, as a wrestler, I can relate to. There were times where I would have to take, like, a sleep aid at night because it's just... Did you ever have to sleep in a sleeping bag? Uh, no, you know, <laughs> if we're going to get into the weeds <laughs> about wrestling, this was something we did, like, if you sleep with less... At night as opposed to, you know, because like obviously when you're running and all that stuff, you're sweating and, and doing all that stuff. But um, if you sleep when it's cold, you actually burn more calories because your body has to work harder to generate heat to keep you warm. So I would sleep with like a, either a very light blanket or a sheet even. And uh, it was freezing, and, you know, so that <laughs> I think that played into it, too. God, how miserable. <laughs> it was. That's why I could never wrestle. Well, and that's. You know, that and getting beat up all the time. Because, but. <laughs> because like, the, just the making the weight is the first accomplishment. You know, then you've still got to go get on the mat and do, do your thing. Just the making of the weight was, was crazy enough. And you know, so many people that wrestled have messed up ears, cauliflower ear and stuff. I got a little bit on yeah. my left ear. Oh, God. Yep. I'm a wuss. <laughs> That's why I stick to bowling. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I like when, uh, I don't remember what he did. I just wrote the line down. Gooch never forgets a gift. Because he tells me he's going to go down another weight weight class, right? Because he's just stopping at that weight class in the meantime. Challenge yeah. Gooch, and he's going to move back down. Yeah, because Gooch was the first weight class down at one seventy. Gooch never forgets a gift. Yeah, yeah. Had to keep on going. Gooch, uh, you're on a vision quest, man. You're trying to find your place in the circle because he was into the whole claiming he was Native American, and then you know because he's wearing like <laughs> he's got kind of the the hair. Like a like a Native American would wear, and he's got some of the feathers and that different kind of stuff. And then finally, it's a farce. He admits, and I think it was like right after the thing with the dad, right? That he admits. That it's like, he's, yeah, man, I'm not going to college. There's only one thing, yeah. man. I ain't, I ain't a part Indian. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also like um, they use they use that line a few times. Vision Quest. I think it's mentioned twice. So I enjoy it, and I, it comes from Cooch because of the the connection to to Native American, American. And, and all that the whole thing. Um, I like the line where. It, they ask um, Anthony Modine, are you overextending yourself? And he's like, yeah, but sometimes you got to, and this is one of those times. Yep. You know, it speaks to the movie. Yep. Elmo, a coos doctor in space. Man, you're flipping out. Because <laughs> he he, he, he'd written a piece on the clitoris for the school newspaper, <laughs> and Daphne Zaniga's character loved it. And I think she, in fact, she said, I loved, I loved your, your piece, piece on the, on the clitoris. clitoris. I showed it to my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then he's telling Elmo that he, I think that he got in trouble and – and he wants to be a coos doctor in space. Which is <laughs> just kind of funny because the first time that gets mentioned is when he's in like his running suit at the diner. That's right. And I thought that it was a joke that he looks like an alien with that space suit. He does. But it turns out, nope, that was just another joke that yeah. I didn't get. Yep. Um, Loudon at practice. I've got news for you, Otto. Wrestling is not a team sport. When you're out there on the mat with a guy quicker and stronger than you, there's not a hell of a lot a team can do for you. And that's... What does that bug you? It does. I'm just gonna say it. it's out of order a little bit, but what bugs me is they keep putting these these sprinkles in that he's not a team guy because he's 
kind of screwing over his team because yeah. he's at 190. And and we can we can save that because okay. I've got I've All got right. that All that right. is like I said I'm not okay. going to go into the weeds right. about it, but there is some of the weight loss stuff that does kind of bug me. Well, it's not even that; just the overarching theme that he's not a good teammate, which wrestling does have scoring in teams. Uh huh. And then they they keep sprinkling in that he's not a good teammate, but then they never like have a resolution with that. Yeah, and at the end true. of the movie, they all love him. And well, it's like, the well, resolution is he climbs the pegboard, and then you know because Otto was mad at him, and then uh, you know all of a sudden he's three quarters of the way up, and Otto and everybody else is cheering for him, and everybody loves him after he just because he climbed the pegboard because. Otto couldn't do it. He's like, I can't do that. Oh, I love you now, Loudon. Yeah. Well, and I guess it does help the team because whoever was at 168 wasn't going to beat Shoot. It, yeah, it got and them. And he beat Shoot. So yeah, then we, they don't, get, we don't know who the other 168-pounder is, do we? No. That would probably, uh, who knows? Could have been yeah. somebody that would have lost. Yeah. So I guess it does help but the I team. But I guess, I, I, yeah, I guess they had to find a way to sort of get the team behind him so that everyone was in support of him when it was time to wrestle shoot. Right. So, so I guess it accomplished that. Yeah. Although I always thought that was a flimsy sort of premise that you climb the pegboard and now all of a sudden the whole team loves you. And is a pegboard a real thing? But but again, we'll get to that yeah. with, with, with the stuff later. More lines. They talk about the Tai Chi and uh, can 800 million Chinamen be wrong? And Tanaran <laughs> says frequently. Right. <laughs> That's very true. Shoot in the bathroom to Loudon. He comes to watch Loudon, and Loudon's nose had been bleeding, and they had to stop his match. Shoot says, you got a problem, man. Loudon says, i got a lot of problems. So what? You can't hold your mud. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot didn't really do much acting after this. No, he didn't. He didn't, did he? Uh Uh-uh. But he was decent in this one. Yep. Uh, You run the risk of pissing off the spirits, and that's not the right thing to do when he's on the bike with Gooch. Gooch is great. Loudon. The nice thing about working out, you have a lot of nocturnal emissions. <laughs> Again, wet dreams. <laughs> coming of age movie. Remember, coming of age. Yeah. So, Some of those scenes. Uh, you can a high re- school senior. I say you can really see the high school in them, huh? That's right. I like when she says, like, why do you want to get smaller and fight smaller guys? Why don't you want to get bigger and fight bigger guys? Yeah. I was like, well, that's kind of. And, and, and I think that. I understand the. Yeah, I know. What, I know what uh, the real world is on wrestling. That's, that's always kind of a movie that's, or a movie, a line, a little sequence that stood out to me yeah. as well. It's like, I've got to explain this to you now. Come on. You're right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Carla getting laid counts for nothing. Loudon. Sure, if you're a girl, if you're a boy, it counts for just about everything. Yeah. Does all that stuff age well? I don't I, know. I, I think it kind of does. We don't have to get in to deep into that dynamic, but right. I do think that. That one scene doesn't. But the rest of it does. Which one? The one where he makes one all where of his he, moves. Yeah, where, I mean, he essentially assaults her. They don't need to show all of that, yeah. yeah. But the rest of it, I think, because she's older, so it's like a nice dynamic because if they were both, like, in high school and inexperienced, yeah. it would be one thing. But the fact that she's older. Right. But what other lines you got? Uh, at the weigh-in, Cooch tells Loudon, think light. <laughs> at the final weigh-in, yeah. think light. And then Cooch, nothing's ever going to be the same again. Vision Quest, you got to go for all the answers, Loudon. I don't even know the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I like the the line when he's with, I think it's Otto, and they're talking about his piece that he wrote. Oh, right. And I don't know what it looks like, but I know where it is, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Made me laugh. And you're talking about the piece on the clitoris, of yeah, course. Yeah, right. Right. All right, favorite scenes. 
uh, the opening scene that God, we played. God, what a more journey. We just need more. Every movie needs <laughs> well, a journey montage. Don't forget that's the second scene. So like, oh, yeah, but, yeah, guess that one too. But the, I mean, that <laughs> was. I think that that like those two scenes to open the movie were awesome. It carries you right in. You find everything at that opening scene. You get the narration from Loudon. You get the coach explaining the wrestle-offs. You get Loudon explaining what his goal is, and that sets up the whole movie. And then, boom, you get Journey. He's running home in his, in his rubber suit with the sweats underneath and everything else. I really appreciate a movie that kind of outlines itself in the first couple scenes. Yeah. So you get the whole tone. You're already in it. And you know, I think, I think sometimes – narration can get in the way and i'm glad that he didn't keep narrating everything throughout but you had an opening narration you had a closing narration at the end of the movie and i thought they were both used perfectly yeah they weren't too long they yeah. just they set it up and wrapped it up perfect yep loudon and cooch in the kitchen kitchen carla walks in wearing just the oxford shirt and <laughs> her underwear who is that girl yeah. <laughs> and kind of funny cuz every time that he tells gooch a secret gooch uh, Spills it right away. Ah, that's true. Which is funny because he's like, don't tell anybody. That's true. Um, I like the scene where Time for Me to Fly is playing. Time for Me to Fly. Time for Me to Fly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But they're in the diner. and he's um, They're asking Carla where she's staying. And then he pulls his dad aside to ask if she could stay with them. Yeah. But in the background of the diner, you can hear Time for Me to Fly, which is kind of fitting for that scene. That's Again, true. it's the music tying everything in. Yep. Uh, when the, when they, they go to the stadium... To see Shoot. And I think it was at the Washington State football stadium. And Shoot, <laughs> who is Jack. people who are familiar with, with Matthew Modine, I mean, he's he's a relatively tall, slender kind of guy. Doesn't necessarily he's not jacked by any means, but mm-hmm. Shoot is muscle bound and he's wearing like the uh the tight shorts of the eighties. <laughs> And a tight tank the John Stockton and shorts. And he's got probably, what, like a 100-pound log that he's got on his shoulders walking up the stadium. They go there, and Loudon gets his attention. Do I know you? I think this is a big mistake, man. Why give yourself nightmares? I already have nightmares. It could be worse. Hey, shoot! Careful, Loudon. That's a good one. I, that, that's a pretty bold move, though. Like, right. especially if you're in high school and like you're loud and swaying, you've done nothing. Okay, you went to state last year, but you've done nothing. This is the defending state champ, and like if you stood them side by side, shoot, looks like he would just murder you. Yeah, he would rip Matthew Modine's head right off, and he and he's going there, and he's like, "Here I am, and I'm coming for you." And they so even I thought it was a great scene. And they even reference a lot that he hadn't wrestled before that year, his yeah. junior year. Yeah, and I like that scene with shoot too, because we finally get to see the guy. You know, the whole movie, we hear about Shoot, and I kept waiting to see him, and then it's like an hour in before you even see the guy. Yeah, that This is something also, though, like you mentioned, that, that Loudon hadn't wrestled before that year. This was my experience, at least, in high school with, with people that I knew, because, again, I was a middleweight guy. All the overnight sensations tend to come in the upper weights because most of them are built more like Shoot, right. <laughs> muscle-bound. And it's like, if you are strong and have a little bit of skill – 
and some balance, you can go a long way. Right. You know, so the overnight sensations tend to come there. But they were not built like Matthew Modine. They right. were built more like, shoot, we had a guy, it was either my freshman or sophomore year, again, Del Baltazor was his name, and he was built just like shoot, and he ended up taking like second in state, and he had only wrestled for like two or three years or something like that. And there are a handful of other guys I know from other schools who are the same thing. They're all like heavyweights. 200, 195, you know, in that range Cause where you, they, they'd only wrestle a little bit and they end up going to state, placing at state. Because once you get lower weight, it's more about technique and yeah, strategy. because there are, there are a lot more guys in those lower weights than it is. It's like you got, you know, yeah, lightning think quick of, yeah. and, yeah, a lot more moves and technical skills and, and all that kind of stuff, whereas, the, again, the upper weights are, are more about strong guys. Go ahead. I like the scene where they're in the bar and, and Carla comes up and asks him to dance because like, that shows that they're progressing towards something. Right. Because up to that point, she was just kind of a roommate that he liked, but she didn't really pay attention she to him. She was hanging out with the cowboys and yeah. he was like unimpressed with the rodeo champ and, <laughs> yeah. and all that. Yeah. Good well, stuff. he was underage at a bar. So. Yeah. I talked about the scene where Loudon goes to see shoot Russell McClain. He's got his recorder, throws McClain, pins him in less than 10 seconds, and then it cuts right to... Loudon in an empty, uh, it was like the wrestling practice room. They've got the spot, you know, and he's, he's doing just the jump jumping rope. away, jumping away. And they start playing lunatic fringe. He's training by himself. It's like, all right, more work to do. Yeah. You know, and he's like setting up the the whole scene. He's like, well, this match against this guy. And, and then it cuts to the mat. <laughs> yeah. And he flips him over. Notes pins on him. the shoot McLean yep. match. Yeah. And then boom, it was like pinned right after that. No notes. Yeah. <laughs> just more jumping rope. Avoid the throw. Yeah. <laughs> The the first scene where she finally kisses him is during another the journey song playing again. That's which is true. great. Was and that the kiss on the cheek or was that the real kiss? That was a kiss on the cheek. And then um I th- Is is that when she calls him the stepbrother? Like yeah. after practice? Yeah. When she shows up because he had passed out and stepbrother, what's that? And that's what I had. He calls her or she calls him, Oh, you're like a stepbrother or something to me. And he's like, Stepbrother, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> another scene that was well, that whole scene was good because it shows that she was caring about him. Yeah. And I think that's also wasn't that where she did the one you were talking about? Why, you know, get smaller yeah. and wrestle a small guy? Because he passed out earlier at school that day and yeah. he's getting nosebleeds and everything else. Yeah. They keep referencing the bleeding thing and then he doesn't... Does he bleed in that match against Shoot at the end? I think he, he might does. start to a little bit. He does, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't obviously continue like it did against McLean. So another scene that I really liked that also bugged me, but I'll just say what I liked about it, was the weigh-in scene. Because he's kind of all over the place because Carla has left mm-hmm. and he's kind of sad about it and he doesn't know what to do and he's like well, well why do i want to wrestle if i can't have her and i mean you talk about that i'll just save it because we're going to do stuff that bugs me yeah so i'm minute. just taking the good because there are things that bug me about that scene but too. again a very realistic scene for one i couldn't believe that he stepped on the scale with all of his clothes on after cutting all that weight i can because i think it, the, they're showing the urgency that it's either now or never get on the scale yeah so he gets on but he doesn't even have time to take it off and it, then it reminds me of a weigh in that I had one time where I got on in my skivvies yeah. and was over and so I had to go in my uh, birthday suit commando <laughs> and just made it by a sliver so <laughs> <laughs> really went all the way down baby that's Wait, right did you win that match i think i did okay so it was worth it yeah <laughs> well the uh, my Extreme wrestling story. My sophomore year, I was still junior varsity, and the varsity guy got hurt. And we found out the night before a meet where we had to drive like an hour and a half, two hours on a bus that I was going to take his spot on the varsity the next day. So I am seven pounds over 
that night. Oh, no. So. Seven pounds? Yes. And so, you know, get done with practice. Keep go, practicing. Go do the running yeah. and, and all that. Because that was like every night after practice was run at least a couple miles. Next morning, I think it's, you know, like still three or four pounds over in the morning. And then it's, you know, wearing all the, the, the crap around all day long. And then we've got the bus. And I'm sitting there, you know, back there by the heater doing sit-ups and push-ups and all that stuff on the bus. Get there, and I'm still like a pound, pound and a half over. Go run for 30 minutes. She's finally made weight. And then varsity debut, won both matches. Boom! <laughs> I thought you were going to say That's that. That's my extreme weight loss story. I thought you were going to say then there was a forfeit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been, that would have been brutal. Yeah. Well, um, congratulations. Oh, thank you. You did really well in 1985. The, uh, what yeah, have you done I, since? That was actually 84. Well, oh, that's right. You were JV at the time. The truck ride to his grandpa's. Carla tells him that uh, big hands turn her on. Yeah. And he Yeah, then he puts his hand up like she goes, There's a gas station up ahead. Yeah, and he's got his hands up by his head, you know. You know, I always have this one dream and there's this girl and we're like, Can I work out? I don't know. Just some girl. <laughs> Is your idea of turning me on? <laughs> no. Of course not. Is it turning you on? Maybe. Really? Maybe not. I know what turns me on. If you don't mind. Hands. Really big hands. The kind that when they hold you, you really feel held. Like nothing can sneak up on you. There's a gas station up ahead. Right there. Like, oh, you mean there? But you're showing Points, his hands. Yeah. That's I thought funny. that was a funny scene. Yeah. Kind of hard to convey in a podcast, but it was a very visual scene. Bad radio is what we call it. <laughs> That's right. All right, um, any more? The wrestling scene against Shoot I thought was well done. Again, I, it's kind of nitpicky, but like the wrestling stuff was pretty realistic, the way they showed points for takedowns, reversals, and escaping. And that's what I couldn't find any research about Matthew Modine and what his wrestling experience was, but I, I felt like for a guy who was an actor doing all this, I, I felt like the wrestling was all pretty realistic. I don't know how much... You know, again, maybe if he wrestled a little bit in high school, he at least had some experience. But I thought it was all really realistic. Looking. I did as well. And I think it was creatively cut that he was – most of the wrestling scenes, he wasn't doing much. Yeah. Like, shoot was carrying it. True. So You didn't have, I mean, and there were some – there were basic stuff. Your right. fireman's carries and your simple, you know, headlocks Suplex, and throws. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing, too, that, like, as you get a little bit – Higher up, you're not going to win with a lot of headlocks and, and those kind of right. things. But at the same time, um, and then I also wrote that. I, really I think they had to. They again because it's wrestling, they had to dumb it down for the they peop- had to, the casual. Yeah, dumb hunt. it down, make it look a yeah. little bit more exciting. And I thought they did a good job because they're like if you if you went and you probably saw this as well. Like they they messed up the scoring yeah. on the scoreboard. But I I I think it's completely irrelevant because unless you are experienced with wrestling, you don't even know where most of the points are coming from. It's more about the action right. and just him accomplishing what he's trying to accomplish. And then at the very end, they have a freeze frame, and I like that. It's kind of like Rocky. It's where very he freezes for the final yeah. narration where he's yeah. Yeah, raising his yeah. hands in the air. It's very 80s, but yeah, I like it. Well, and that my, my final scene is Loudon and Elmo when oh, Loudon goes to Elmo's apartment, and it's one of the more pivotal points 
Because he's not movie. wrestling at that point. Yeah. He wasn't going to go. Uh, because Carla had left, and he's he's trying to figure everything out. So he goes to Elmo's apartment, and Elmo's getting dressed up. He wasn't at work. He's like, what are you doing? You're not at work. And he, and he said, I'm getting dressed up because I'm going to see your match. I, I shaved. <laughs> I got a haircut. Yeah. yeah. And Some things are more important than work, he says. Right. And he tells the story about sitting in his apartment one day watching Pele play soccer. This is the night you wrestle a shoot. I took the night off for that. Yeah. Shaved, got a haircut and everything. You never took a night off to see me wrestle before. The dock you for that. Hey, kid, money ain't everything. You know, it's not that big a deal, Elmo. I mean, it's six lousy minutes on the mat, if that. Ever hear of Pele? Yeah, he's a uh, soccer player. Very famous soccer player. There's a room here one day. I'm watching a Mexican channel on TV. I don't know nothing about Pele. I'm watching what this guy can do with a, a ball on his feet. Next thing I know, he jumps up in the air and Flips into a somersault and uh, kicks the ball in upside down and backwards. The damn goalie never knew what the fuck hit him. Pele gets excited and he rips off his jersey and starts running around the stadium, waving it around over his head. Everybody's screaming in Spanish. I'm here sitting alone in my room. I start crying. Yeah, that's right, I start crying. There's another human being, a species which I happen to belong to. I kick a ball, lift himself. The rest of us sat as human beings up to a better place to be, if only for a minute. Let me tell you, kid, it was pretty damn glorious. Eight to six minutes. It's what happens in that six minutes. It's what happens. It's just a really impactful scene. And again, when you're talking about this being a coming-of-age story, I think it, it builds that final tension. And then Loudon finally gets there, makes his weight, and goes and sets out what's he, what he accomplishes. Otto might be my favorite character in this whole movie. Otto? Yeah. He, the way he always, like, he's always like the voice of reason. And he always, like, that scene was very powerful to me. I thought that was pretty awesome. Oh, Elmo, you Or mean. Elmo, sorry. Said, yeah, yeah, Elmo, Elmo. Otto was the blockhead yeah. wrestler no, yeah. who didn't like Loudon yeah. <laughs> at first. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I meant Elmo. Yeah, I, Elmo was a great character as well. One difference that I, uh, another difference I found between the book and the movie is apparently the movie or the 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 movie obviously gets all the way through the match. He wins the match. He does his final narration, and they they, ride they put off a bow the on the it, sunset. Yeah. The book ends where he and Shoot shake hands at the start of his match, and then it's sort of like a freeze right there. And he talks about there's all this energy surging through his veins, and so that he lost. Well, yeah. So we don't know. We don't know. What happens? He must have lost. Because so, if he had won, he would have wrote the book that he won. So which ending do you like better? Uh, the movie. I I want a little resolution. But in the same thing, I know she's there. What happens with him and Carla from here? True. Like, she talks to him in the locker room, but they don't actually say that they're going to get together. And this is me. Tran- you said you're done seeing so this transitions what bugs me. Because then she talks about him going to college, and she's going to go somewhere and do her art. Yeah, I, I assume that Carla rides off into the sun. And it, it, that's we should... Since we're going to do stuff that bugs us right now, she's from New Jersey. She's mm. on her way to San Francisco, <laughs> but her car breaks down in Spokane, Washington. That's she, that's quite a roundabout to get from New Jersey to San Francisco going through Spokane. Yeah, well, she was trying to go through Canada, but <laughs> <laughs> didn't quite make it. Yeah. Yeah. But I assume she's going to go and they're never going to see each other again, right? Yeah, that's what I think, too. She She keeps on with her journey, but... She sort of journey, great band. She, there you go. <laughs> she, she was there to take him to help sort of get him through his to vision adulthood. quest. Yeah, to to adulthood. 
Okay. Again, back to the coming of age. Come on. Yeah. Get your head out of the gutter. No, it's not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Shoot has to weigh more than 168 pounds. It's hard to say. Right, because you don't know how tall he is. But Yeah. And and again, with the weight loss and all that, and you know, guys cutting weight, because that I think that's one of the biggest differences, again, now, is guys are, I mean, weight cutting still exists in the world of wrestling but they do especially in high school monitor regulate it, it yeah. monitor it more so i think guys are closer to their natural weight but definitely in in the you know 70s 80s 90s whatever like it was not uncommon to you know, lose I, 7 I just, pounds in a day yeah to lose 7 pounds in a day or to to be dropping 20 pounds, you know cuz it's like okay thanksgiving rolls around I'm not eating until right. <laughs> March. <Yeah. laughs> well, know? it's like you said. If there's an opening at a weight class that's four below you, you're going to try and make it just yeah. so you can be on the team and wrestle. And that's what it comes down to. It, it comes down to who you can beat, what your what your weight is. And, you know, even you know, like at one – see, like as my example, again, my natural weight was 150. I know by senior year in high school, my walking around weight was 155 pounds. So, you know, before that it was probably – 148 150 for a couple years I'm I'm guessing but there's no way that I could have wrestled at 155 pounds you would have been the smallest guy because yeah, yeah everyone yeah. would have been a foot taller than me right yeah and because those other guys are cutting 15 pounds to get to 155 so right. even even if I said well I don't want to cut weight I couldn't do me. it like get perfect weight would have been 145 <laughs> but had to keep going farther than that you just it's just what everybody did the, the only guys who really didn't have to worry about that were the heavyweights. Yeah, and now they've got a different and even category where yeah. yeah, where guys do have to to cut a little bit. But it's just it, it came with the territory. Everybody well, knew it going in. Well, shoot, looked jacked. So yeah. I I had a hard time believing that he was under 168. But yeah, I mean the two definitely don't look like they're the same weight. That's for sure. But so, but Matthew Modine was a little bit taller, taller than him. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah. that scene where he gets weighed in bugs me because. They already give the forfeit to shoot. They're like, all right, step on to accept your forfeit. Shoot steps on. They right. go 168. All right, thank you. And then Modine walks in the locker room. Yeah. Come on. They already gave it to him. So technically they shouldn't have yeah, wrestled. It, if, they, if they wanted to, yeah. They, so they, I don't know they why. They could have been sticklers. I don't know why but they part. were all still there, and he did show up. Right. You know? So it's, kinda, it's kind of the discretion of the, the official doing the way. I and mean, that's probably, the you know, again, and, and like I've said throughout, I'm not going to you know, beat up a lot of the, the little things as far as the reality of wrestling. But they do treat the weight loss like it's the exception rather than the rule. Like, like everybody in that team everyone was weight. against yeah. yeah, everyone was against Loudon because oh you're you're cutting a couple weight classes. You're you're not a team guy and the and the coach, I don't understand why you're cutting all this weight. Again, everyone yeah. everyone everyone does it. Everyone was doing it, it um, you know. So that's that's my biggest wrestling critique is and they, they act like that's a big deal. And they talk about him taking a spot away from someone at the beginning. Like, why yeah. would you want to come down and take one well, again? Well, but he's giving somebody else a spot at one ninety. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if he can beat either of those guys, that's his prerogative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now sometimes, you know, again, he was doing it. He was working his way down a weight class. But it, like, if you weren't within X amount of pounds, they wouldn't let you wrestle off. Right at that weight, they're not just going to let you, you know, wrestle sure, not, off there. Don't if you're be two hundred. Yeah, you're not realistically going to be able to yeah. make it. Yeah. Um, one other scene that bugged me is it's early on in the movie, but he's only known her for like two days, and he's talking about how much right. he loves Carla. Right. Well, in the yeah. again in the book, apparently Carla had been living there for about a year, so they kind of re 
work that a little bit again to create some sort of tension it's like she wasn't already there it's like dad can we take the stray dog home right <laughs> give her <laughs> home for a while yeah <laughs> worked out for him yeah uh, the other thing that bugged me, the coach wearing the singlet and a collared shirt to practice. I don't know if you found yeah. that weird. You didn't like None that. None of our coaches wore ever wore singlets, singlets to yeah. practice, let alone a collared shirt. It was, you know, T-shirt, yeah. sweats. And, right, and a whistle. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was just a little strange. Yeah. Yeah, they're just trying to show that he's the wrestling coach. Especially since it's not like the wrestling coach is in tip-top shape or anything. Right. Yeah, or he's going to wrestle either. Right. So. Yeah. What else bugged you? Anything? The big crowds for the wrestling meet. See, I thought about that. And they've but got the band there. And again, okay, some so places it's have niche markets for it, though. They do. And I'm, like in Oklahoma, isn't it bigger? Yeah, Oklahoma and Iowa. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And Pennsylvania, I guess, to some extent. So but that, even still, wrestling doesn't get near the attention as basketball. But I'm just guessing. They sure, did for the Hollywood. For, for Hollywood. Aesthetics. So it looked like, yeah, because I mean, if you. If there's five people in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to seem quite as exciting. Right. As, as having a packed gym. See, I thought about I mean, that. It was completely packed too. It wasn't just like almost packed. And I All guess these meets. I can allow some of that, but I guess the part that does bug me is not every match would be sold out like that. Exactly. Exactly. Like there might have been a lot of excitement for this particular match. Sure. Because word got around and yeah. everything. Let me see. They consummate the relationship. He's still trying to <laughs> make weight, and and now he's eating. Uh, on the trip to Grandpa's. Yeah, I now know he's what eating you're saying. Pizza. That was just a really... Now he's like, he's like a day before the meet, in, or two days, or whatever it is, and it's like, now I'm going to eat pizza. Well, now that I'm almost there, and I've still got weight to lose, now I'm eating the pizza. So that's two things. One, he only had a couple bites, right? Like he, They don't show you him like woofing down a whole pizza. That's true. He has two bites. Yeah. And he, at that point, he's consummated the relationship. He doesn't even want to wrestle anymore, like in his head. Didn't he say, like, I don't... Yeah, he kind of... Well, he wavers. But again, like, Carla really messed with his head yeah. in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Between what happens, she finally gives in, they have sex, and, and now his head's just all over the place, which, again, is... is Shows immaturity. Yeah, but that high also school. happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, I finally got, you know, the, the girl, and we're having sex, and, and then... This hot 21-year-old, yeah. Yeah, out of the blue the next day after they get home, she leaves, you know? Yeah. Which and she knew was happening all the time. She totally messed with his head. And and I guess the one other thing, how far away was Grandpa's house, by the way? Because they've got to – they're driving forever. They've got to spend the night out in the woods. They camp out. Yeah. And then they're driving more the next day to Grandpa's and house. Then they how just, far was that trip? And then they go to – I think they said – I think they – didn't they reference it's like four hours, which isn't even that far? Like you'd have to camp out? I thought I might have heard five. But, okay, either way. But either way, yeah. It's like – there was still complete daylight. It's not like they were driving through the middle of the night. And then they go there and like, hey, Grandpa, do you want to move with us in Spokane? And he's nope. like, nope. I'm like, all right, see you later. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then he comes to the wrestling match, so it must not have been that far. <laughs> yeah, good point. I think he just wanted to take her camping. Does it hold up? Um, or do you got more? I think the story does, don't yeah. you? Yeah. I like that it's wrestling because, like you said, it could have been any sport. There's not a lot of movies that have wrestling involved, so I thought that was neat. Yeah. It does hold up because a lot of the trends are still similar. The only... The only other like high school wrestling, Olympic wrestling movie is Foxcatcher. Have you seen Foxcatcher? Yeah, Catcher? that's a, but that's a dark story. And it's, yeah, it's it's a lot different. And I actually just saw the uh, the documentary on Netflix. The real thing, yeah, Team Foxcatcher. Have you yeah. seen that? Um, I've watched most of it, I think. But the the yeah. movie itself, that cast was incredible. Steve Carell was great. Yep, as John Dupont. But man, what a weird, weird story it was. Maybe we'll get into that at some point. 
down the road. Dave Schultz, again, because of the time period, you remember he was, him? He was, yeah, he was like a childhood idol of mine. He won Olympic gold in 84, and you know, he was in his 30s in 96 when John DuPont killed him. And then, well, he, wait, so who, the brother was the one that won the Olympics, I thought. They both won gold. Oh, okay. Mark that's Schultz what, is the other okay. one. Dave yeah, Schultz was the guy yeah, with okay. the beard that yeah. Mark Ruffalo, Ruffalo played. played. Okay. And then Channing Tatum played Mark Schultz. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. They make him look like an idiot in that movie. Yeah, and... Or a simpleton almost. There's um, truth to it. <laughs> no, um, I, I actually because talking about the documentary, you don't see they don't even mention Mark Schultz in huh. the documentary. And apparently, the two Schultzes never lived there at the same time. But Mark Schultz, I know he was not happy. The biggest thing about his depiction is there's there's the scene where it appears maybe John Dupont is making a move on him. And I guess a lot of the critics compared it to uh, what was it inside the candelabra or the 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 uh, the movie about Liberace that Matt Damon right. and Michael Douglas were in, and they compared it to that, and it really ticked off Mark Schultz. And so, yeah, there's zero mention of Mark Schultz in the documentary, and obviously in the movie Foxcatcher, he is one of the two. Right. One of the three central characters, along with his brother and DuPont. But yeah. I digress anyway. Yeah. So for this movie, Vision Quest, the question we always ask when we <laughs> talk about casting changes, what role could Kevin Costner have played? I Well, now I'm taking it out of the time period. Yeah. I mean, I can do it either way. You're but putting I'm, this at any place in time. Yeah. I'm putting him as the Elmo. That's I said either the dad or Elmo. Yeah. I thought would have been good. Because I think he could give some – he could – they could make Elmo almost a retired wrestler, like he used to do it back in the day. And I, they didn't have to do it this way, but they could have made the dad against him cutting weight and then Elmo pro cutting weight because he knows how wrestling works and be this like right. secondary father figure. I think, yeah. But they didn't make them argue or anything, but they could have. Good point. Then obviously The Rock would be shoot. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, yeah. I have, if, he's, if he's young Rock, he's shoot. If he's old Rock, he's the wrestling coach, I think. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. I could be the coach. You could go either way yeah. with that. It, when you asked if it holds up over time, really, I think the only things that don't the fashions. are like, well, the fashions, the attempted sexual assault, right. <laughs> loud on Carla. Yeah. Because essentially, it's he thinks that, that – She's making it with his English teacher, and he's mad, and he's like, "Oh, you're making it with him. Why yeah. don't you make it with me?" And he throws her down on the bed, and she throws him off, and yeah, you know, obviously that's that's not a good look. And then also, there's a gay slur at practice where uh, when she shows up at practice, all uh, right, and the guy the guy yells yeah. out, "Why are you wasting your time with a gay slur, yeah. Mike Loudon?" Yeah, and I just I, I don't think you probably have it's that jarring today, but again, I guess the jock culture. And everything to be because that's like when you look at Otto, he's he's a stereotype. When you look at Shoot, he's a stereotype. That's what's cool about Modine, though, in this role is he goes against a lot of the jock stereotypes. That's what they keep referencing. He's like, she she doesn't want to be with a jock. Yeah, but isn't it weird at all that she gets into the high school locker room, boys' locker room, and the high school itself? I kind of thought so too. She's twenty one years old, and she she just just walk in, stroll in, or whatever. Yeah, because she's not like. On his contact sheet right. as a guardian or yeah. anything like that, they just let her in. Then she walks and into then the she's gym. That and, skirt, yeah, <laughs> with the cowboy yeah. boots. Yeah, and that's. I thought like any other casting changes that you think would be like. I think that Madonna might have been able to play yeah. the Carlo role. That would have been for example. Fine. Yeah, because I love the same thing because when I saw her at the bar singing the song, she kind of yeah, yeah. 
I don't I don't know what exactly her acting was if she would have been a little too stiff. But again, this was Linda Fiorentino's very first, first role. Yeah. So she was pretty raw, even though she had had more actual acting training and everything. But I thought it was pretty well cast. And like I think you know again when I look at the arc of Modine's career, I think. A movie that's on all the time is Shawshank Redemption. And I don't know. I'm going to try to find out here real quick. I could I could see him. Could you see him of playing Tim Robbins, like replacing Tim Robbins? I've never seen Shawshank. Well, I was trying to avoid saying that. Yeah. So, yeah, sure, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to spare you some dignity to not let people know. Tim Robbins is six foot five. I'm going to say Modine. What do you think? Six foot Nah, six two. Matthew Modine, six three. Yeah. So they're fairly similar. Yeah. But I could see so he could've... I could see Modine sort of interchangeable with that. I could have seen him playing that role potentially. But I, again, I I associate Matthew Modine as a bigger name, and I think it's because of this time period, growing up in that time sure. period. And like a Molly not, Ringwald almost. Yeah, and it's not just liking Vision Quest, it's the other roles that I mentioned. Full Metal Jacket and Memphis Belle. Full Metal Jacket was really well you know, known Stanley movie. Kubrick. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people know it. And then Memphis Belle as well. It seemed like that was a pretty popular movie at the time. And then it's just for whatever reason, he hasn't, he didn't kind of keep that. Didn't parlay it into more. Yeah. But again, well, I mean, he's been acting for a long time. And I've just, I was just always thought Matthew Modine is, is a good actor. So I think part of the reason why this movie gets buried a little bit. It's because it was 1985 when it came out, the same year as Back to the Future, the same year as Breakfast Club, the same year as The Goonies, the same year as The Color Purple, the same year as Fletch, which wow. you love, the same year as Mask <laughs> with Cher, yeah. the same year Academy as Rocky IV. Yeah. So like that's a lot. And I mix in a couple of sports movies, Fletch and Rocky well, IV. So it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And the other part of it, too, is there were no stars in this because Matthew Modine was still really Wasn't young. Mean, yeah, yeah, and this was – he'd had supporting stuff. This was – his first role, this was Fiorentino's first role. Ronnie Cox had been around, but he was far from a star. So you really had zero stars star power. Yeah. in this movie. And that's why I do wonder, like, if you were going to recast it, if you put, you know, you could have put Tom Cruise in there. Maybe he was a little too old by that point. I don't know. But yeah, if you had put a bigger star in, do you think it would have mattered? Or because you've got high school wrestling is the sport, do you think that it it, it kind of is going to get lost in the shuffle no matter what. No, I think if you had a bigger star, it might have made high school wrestling more popular. Who Could knows? have made it more mainstream. Good point, Bobby. Yeah. I have one every now and again. All right. Anything before we wrap up? That's all I got. Did we go too far in the weeds with the wrestling? I think we did. Did we? But I don't care. I didn't mean to. But it's different because you and I know the sport, so like, what's deep in the woods to us might not be. That's true. Same to someone else. I didn't realize you followed high school wrestling that closely. I'm sorry. <laughs> What where where was your what was your entry point? What 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 interest interested you in high school? Oh, uh, just well, I covered stuff for our TV okay. station, and I would be I'd always volunteer ah, to do the obscure yeah. sports because I thought they were fun to watch. Because you're out there obscure sport yeah. quarterly. Yeah, that's right. All right, little dodgeball. All right. Well, our next movie I think is going to be we're going to go comedic. Okay. There was some comedy in this one. Yeah. Maybe, you know we mentioned Matthew Sheffling, who yeah. again I still. How he plays Jake in 16 Candles, then gets this role and only does eight more roles after that is still beyond me. I think that he makes sense. He should have a longer career. I think that makes sense because he was very typecasted into the 80s genre. Maybe that's it. Maybe they needed more 
80s coming of age set. Maybe he was a little aging out yeah, to be that's in it. those kind of things, but that's what his career needed right. to kind of keep pushing him a little bit. We're going to go Happy Gilmore. Oh, are we? Okay. Right? Okay. The Unless we're mistaken, the one and only golf-slash-hockey movie. That stars Bob Barker. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And Adam Sandler. Yeah. That's the only movie of that. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So Happy Gilmore is going to be our next. All right. Good stuff today. Yeah. I will talk to you soon. I hope. Me too. Two guys talking sports movies. Talk to you next time. I think a lot about those six minutes of shooting. Time I spent with Carla that season. Cooch had it right. It was a vision quest. But all I ever settled for was that we're born to live and then to die. And we got to do it alone. Each in his own way. And I guess that's why we gotta love those people who deserve it like there's no tomorrow. Because when you get right down to it, there isn't.